Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Wayne Purnell, Dr. P, the exponential success coach. And with me today, I have David Achara. He is, I, I, I just want to start by saying David has so much of, he's done so much parallel to me that when I saw him uh, and his bio and everything else, I'm like, I want to meet this guy. <laughs> really interesting. Right? So, so uh, I don't always have leadership coaches and consultants with decades of experience join me on the program because it's sort of like, eh, you know, but David's got some amazing <laughs> stuff going on. So um, without me saying much more, I will say he's worked in semiconductors. He's worked in manufacturing. He's done uh, aerial firefighting, which is kind of cool. Property development, healthcare, you know, um, we've got a lot of overlap. Uh, I'm going to let him explain more about him. So without much ado, like I'll turn it right to you, David, welcome to One Sharp Sword. Awesome. Thanks, Wayne. I'm honored. Uh, maybe I am you. I mean, maybe it's like the multiverse, you know, with there all those, those movies yeah. that are happening right now. And they it's just come together yeah. finally. Well, so, doesn't, doesn't that cause some kind of uh, <laughs> implosion? We can't be in the same space together. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't know what's going to happen today. That's true. That's um, true. No, thank you for having me here. I'm really honored to be able to have this conversation. I work as a leadership development coach and consultant, and I also am starting to do more and more uh, executive retreats for uh, leaders of various sorts. And um, I live in Tennessee, outside of Chattanooga. I've got two awesome kids that are 18 and 15. And uh, my wife is um, about to graduate this Friday with her master's in counseling. And so at the age of, I think she's 46 now, she is re-entering the workforce. And um, I'm just ultra proud of her. And she may make some cameos in this conversation just because I learned so much from her. Oh, that's awesome. You know, you're not supposed to talk about a woman's age. So, oh, whoops. Well, so sorry. So it's the, over. Big, the big question is how much does she weigh? No. no. Oh, man. That's an old, that's an old joke. It's like, yeah, you can't yeah. Talk about a woman's age. How much? Okay. Um, you also have a book that's just released, uh, assuming that we are at the place where it's released, um, executive retreats for, for busy business leaders. We'll talk about that. Um, I've just like, part of what excited me about this is that I run retreats on a regular basis, just finished one, uh, in Southern California, took people to the magic castle as part of it. Hmm. Uh, it's a world famous, uh, exclusive nightclub. Um, doing the next one in New York, you have a big focus on doing retreats where it's retreats alone, get used to yourself, retreats with uh, your team, with your family, either guided or unguided. I want to talk more about that. Your book is fascinating. Um, let's talk about how you got here, because I think one of the things for me um, and 
that my audience has gotten used to is there's a personal element to everybody that I bring on. So it's not like, Hey, buy my stuff. It's about retreats and it's about leadership. <laughs> it's more about like, who's David? How'd you mm-hmm. get here? How'd you, you know, you woke up one day and you said, I'm doing executive leadership stuff. So <laughs> not, not really. Right. What's that's right. What was your path? Have you always been in Tennessee? Um, and Tennessee is such a big state. People don't, I don't think people think of it as a big state, but when you say Chattanooga, you're talking about East Tennessee. That's right. And, um, you know, most people think Nashville or Memphis or whatever, and it's like, mm, Tennessee, right. Tennessee's bigger than that. And it's so fascinating and, and it's so rich, you know, it's, yeah. so, there's so much there. So, um, so talk a little bit about like, where did you grow up? At what point did you decide to go into leadership work? Like what mm-hmm. was your pivot point? So um, mm-hmm. both of those as prompts. Yeah, great. Uh, so yeah, so I am from here originally, <clears throat> have lived a lot of places. The, um, the early part of my career, uh, the first 10 years actually was not spent in the corporate world. Um, I uh, was a pretty wild teenager and um, was also pretty secretive. You know, so it's like a lot of people would say, oh, we had no idea. Like, well, then my plan worked. (laughs) You know, I didn't want to get into trouble. And um, but, you know, that that wild life that I lived as a man led to a lot of problems for me. And um, it actually culminated in a near death experience for me when I was 17, almost 18 and had a real profound faith conversion season of time. And, um, you know, I had, I was raised in an environment where I I didn't have a lot of peace and quiet. My parents argued a lot, a lot of screaming and fighting. And I just had no imagination for what I wanted to do with my life. In fact, I didn't even want to go to college. And um, my mother said to me, well, that's okay, but you can just move out and see how life will go for you without a degree and good luck, you know? And I was like, oh, I guess I better figure out something I want to uh, do. And so I ended up going into uh, pastoral ministry and it was just the only thing I could imagine at that point in my life. And 10 years later had done a lot of great things. Um, And then I started uh, feeling a little bit uh, constrained by hanging out with this one particular slice of people in the population when really I'm a people person. I'm outgoing. I've got a huge network and I knew people in all sorts of environments in nonprofits and other faith sectors in the corporate world. And the way I was uh, working during that time was more like leadership development and coaching. I just didn't know that's what it was. So to me, I learned along the way, oh, I have a knack for this. And so what happened was I, as I kind of searched around for some ways to get free from um, that career, um, I discovered the world of leadership development at the um, coaxing and direction of some of the executive friends I had. Um, is that your story too? I see you smiling uh, and nodding. I, I am smiling. I uh, it, I got into it accidentally, actually. You know, my path okay. was my doctorate's in clinical psych and uh-huh. I got into it when one of my clients said, Hey, you know, that thing you did with me and my wife, can you do it with me and my vice president? Hmm. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. uh, yes. 
<laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you right? want me? sort of like a squeak of, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, uh, yeah, it was sort of like, wow, okay, um, this actually works. And it was, mm-hmm. it for me, that was uh, in some ways salvation. Like, it was like, <laughs> I don't have to do traditional psychology because that didn't make sense to me. Hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, starting everything with let's begin with your mother and your father. It's like that's not how <laughs> all psych works, but it right. just seemed like so much was anchored there. Then, you know, what you and I both look at is what are the strengths? You've mm-hmm. gotten to this point as a leader. You've gotten to this point as a good human. You've gotten to this point by getting through stuff how and what's working for you let's leverage that like you know and mm-hmm. and, and so i'm smiling because um i in my experience only the oh so serious i'm a leadership coach kind of people they're the ones that don't make it to my show like it's like mm. i don't want <laughs> I'm that I want somebody who's like, you know, I sort of, I backed into this. I was invited mm-hmm. into this. It's, you know, I found yeah. out I was good at it and, and I studied more and then I started helping people. Like that's the story that I, yeah. you know, of, of yeah. the genuine. I love that. Well, thank you. Well, it, that's a part of me that I'm learning to be more open with. You know, I remember when I was first getting started in the corporate world, you know, I had, um, I had been living in a free house, living on government assistance for almost a year, trying to get this thing off the ground and got my first big opportunity, paid a ton of money for one day. I was really blown away. Not going to lie. I was in the bathroom the night before. Like, I don't know if I can really pull this off (laughs) and the morning of. And, you know, when I finally got in there and, and went at it, I remember thinking, huh, this feels remarkably, uh, surprisingly comfortable. And these are just normal people. And um, this is going to work. This is going to be okay. And, but, you know, even with that, you know, here I am 12, 13 years later from that particular experience. And I think I'm just now starting to find clarity on like, what about leadership development? What about coaching? And, you know, I've, I've come to that point by following some advice of um, one of my executive clients. He actually wrote the forward for the, the new book that's coming about executive retreats. And when I was first starting, he said, David, just say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And you'll learn really quick what you're good at and what you enjoy. And then you'll know how to better focus. And so I said yes to everything. And um the positive part of that was I got a lot of experience in a lot of industries. And it's now one of my mantras to anybody who's getting started is say yes to everything. Um, it's like I was just listening to a podcast um, yesterday with Brene Brown from a few years ago, where she said to her, um, I think it was her daughter. She said, if you think you know what you want to do at 18, I'm not going to pay for college. It's impossible for an 18-year-old to know. College isn't for that. You need to explore, take everything you're interested in. And me having a daughter at 18 experiencing the same thing, I'm I'm trying to take that advice to, in a way, say yes to everything. You know, Say yes to what you're curious about, the places you want to go, the people you want to meet. And what's happened for me, at least, is 
here I am now. And I'm not going to say I've got 100% clarity, but um, you know, you're a doctor of psychology. So these words may mean a lot to you. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm dipping in here, yes. Wayne, Dr. All P. The- I'm, um, you know, there's this concept of a true self and a false self. And, you know, true self is, uh, is more humble, is more open, is more clear. And a false self is really what we're projecting that we want to be accepted for in this world. And I feel like in the last few years for me, I'm starting to come in, into the true self. And to me, the true self is less about clarity on your specific tangible things you're supposed to be doing. And it's more about humility. And so I'm more and more comfortable these days to say, I'm learning. I'm not quite there, but I'm, I'm on my way. And I find that when I can do that, then other people feel free to say, oh, well, I don't understand either. <laughs> I'm learning too. And wow, like we get better leadership and better teams because of that. This is gigantic. Like that, that notion, that concept is huge. The, um, just the whole idea that you can dare to be vulnerable enough um to be authentic and the mm-hmm. the authentic or true self is one that is in continuous learning mm-hmm. um and that it's the false self that's that goes i'm uh i'm you know puffy and big and I'm puffy <laughs> right i'm a big puffy expert out in the field and that's and, right and it's like mm-hmm. you don't have to be you could mm-hmm. be you and people go dang that's somebody I understand. That's somebody that's that is, you know, I guess one of the big compliments that came out of this retreat I, I ran recently, somebody's like, hey, you know what? Wayne doesn't know it all, um, but he's running the miles ahead of us and showing us the way. Mm, yeah. And and it was like, that's 100% accurate. I never claimed to know it all. I did claim that I continue to learn. I did claim that I continue to to take away the um, the kind of outer pieces of you know who I was supposed to be mm-hmm. or who I thought I was supposed to be, and so you know for you to step into the world and go, you know what, I'm learning how to be more authentic. You didn't yeah. use that language, but that's that's really what you're showing is I'm becoming more authentic, and that is helping me to create more authentic leaders. Mm-hmm. That's the work. That is completely yeah. the work. And I'm I'm saying that with emphasis because I think for our audience, we're all leaders. 100% of the audience is leaders. You're being watched by somebody, by your kids, by your coworkers. So even if your role or title isn't leader, you're in a space where being authentic will make a huge difference mm-hmm. in your life. And if, you know, you talk about clarity, that's, you know, clarity is one of the keys actually to success. And, and it's like, as soon as you are clear about what direction you want to head and you can authentically say, that's where I want to go, but I'm not sure how to get there. Um, you actually start to see things, your reticular activating system kicks in and you start to see what's available on that path, which comes back to you, David, which is you start to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. It's yes to the opportunities because they've been there. You just hadn't seen them before. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now you're on this path of, oh, dang. Like, mm-hmm. 
that's actually right. And for that's you, right. I love this. Like for you, 10 years doing pastoral ministry, that's what allowed you clarity for the path of, of executive coaching. So good for mm-hmm. you. Like good for you. Yeah. Really exceptional. Thank you. I, I want to ask you about something you said. I'm curious. Yeah. yeah. This is a conversation. And that's part of what I love about this style of podcast is that it's not like, um, you know, rapid fire questions to you. Yeah. I, I want it to be, yeah. Ask me, ask me. Well, I don't get to sit with a doctor of psychology very often. Uh, <laughs> so, you that's know, begin with your mother and your father. <laughs> oh, wait, not that. All right. So. Yes, I wanted to ask you about my parents. <laughs> no, mm. um, but you you did say something, and I maybe I missed the words, but I want to get it. I want to get it right. Yeah, and it's this idea that you said you notice your. Is it a, you said something about it activating? Reticular, the reticular activating system is part of is part of a brain process. Where, it, you know, we were we were wired to look for, I think, the, you know, for tigers that could eat us, you know, like we're wired to look for it's we're wired to look for fear. And the more clarity, like for things that could uh, could harm us, which is why the media is all about fear and fear, mm, fear. Yeah. And if you don't do this and you better vote that way and you don't want these people to, you know, to take over and it, it becomes divisive and um, our society gets split. And now we live in this fear-based place. Well, what if we were teaching ourselves to focus on actually the things we wanted versus having so much noise about the things we're quote unquote supposed to be afraid of. Mm. As soon as we focus on what we want, those things show up. If you think about this, like, you know, um, when you, one of the examples of this is like you buy a car and as soon as you buy a car, now you're seeing like, they're all over the place. That's right. Right. So it's like, well, I didn't know much about this car. Like I just saw it and I thought it was cool. And now I'm seeing they're everywhere. How cool is that? Um, That's because you're aware of it. Mm, And so when you become aware and really focused on something, the opportunities that were there, but sort of in the noise start to percolate. And those are the ones you start to say yes to. Now, the other thing about mm-hmm. saying yes is that as you get really good at saying yes, you also begin to learn discernment and you start to cut things away. Mm-hmm. Um, can I talk a little bit about your history? Please, as, yeah. As an, as an ACA, right? So you grew up as an adult child of an alcoholic, correct? Yeah. Yeah. My dad, he was not out as far as I knew, but my parents uh, were very dysfunctional. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so the reason I'm bringing that up is that, um, you know, statistically, that's a good portion of the population and it's a good mm-hmm. portion of our audience. And so when you are in that environment, you become really attuned to the subtleties. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a really, really good teacher for you. Now, if you said yes to everything, you would be saying yes to being sucked into things that no longer serve you. That's right. Part of your process, part of your process, part of our audience's process, certainly in my history as well, 
is to learn how to say yes to things that are going to serve me and to help me grow and saying no to the things that I no longer tolerate. Mm-hmm. But that's a good, that's a, you know, that's what you're growing into and through. That's part of what got you here as a really, you know, strong and sincere um, uh, leadership coach and consultant. I think that's a, that's a strength and a trait of yours that you bring. So, yeah, I like that you brought that one up, the ACA piece, um, because, you know, with, within ACA, there's this term and, and from the term, I actually got clarity on my work and it's this term of overly responsible. Mm -hmm. And so in the, in the business world or in the world period, in our culture, people who are overly responsible are called driven and they are doers, they're movers and shakers. But what I had to come to realize about myself was that I was really just trying to protect myself. Mm -hmm. And so, and so the result was that I was in control of almost everything. I'm positive. I'm witty. I'm outgoing. And so people didn't know what was going on because they thought they were just having a good time as I suggested and directed and created. But really what I was trying to do was create environments where I felt like I could be safe. And I had to come to a place, honestly, not too long ago, where I said, wait a second, I am safe. (laughs) I am an adult. I am capable. I don't have to control all this. And what's been interesting is I've begun to open my hands with this authenticity we're talking about. What it's done is it is, um, you know, it's like, the, you know, you, you were joking about the universe. It's like, it's the universe's way of making me a magnet for all these same types of people that I am. Yes. And what's so fascinating is before I, I, I had to, I faced some of this, I worked with people of all kinds, but it wasn't this particular kind of person as far as I knew. But when I started to get clarity, it's like they say in recovery settings, if you spot it, you hmm. got it. And so I start to spot it in other people because it's my issue. Yep. Very much, very much. And that's, that's huge. And that, by the way, when you can see it and know that it's you and know that it's also the other person, uh, you can leverage it. And that's also what makes for good coaching. Mm, you know, yeah. as long as you're not blaming the other person for it, it's like, oh, I know it's part of me, <laughs> it's not serving me. And this is how I work through it. Um, maybe still working through it. Let me see if I can guide this other person. That's magical. That's really strong. Yeah. You are listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. Wayne Purnell. You know you are bigger than the life you are leading. It really is time to attend to that thing you've wanted to do or have, but you've been putting off. It's time to step into that dream you've parked for someday. It's time to claim true well-being, both personally and professionally, without giving up the success that got you here. It's time to check out Dr. Purnell's signature small group retreat, the Exponential Success Summit. Explore ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. Seats are extremely limited as this is a very special small group event. www.ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. I love that you said you opened your hands. Um, 
you know, I talk about like the, the whole idea of control is uh, holding on tight. And if you think about grasping water, the only way to hold water is not to hold tight, but actually to open for it and to create a cup that allows you to, to hold and to serve. That's not, that's not control. That's actually, um, you know, guiding and serving and, and holding and nurturing. And, mm. and I think that there's room for that in the work that, that we do as executive coaches and consultants. Um, yeah. The other thing that, that comes out of ACA, you know, you talked about being overly, overly responsible as a way of having control. Um, the piece, there's another saying that comes out of that, which is caring detachment. And caring detachment is really like, you could care about the issues, you could care about the other person, and it's not always yours to fix. And being able to let go enough to let the other person have their experience, um, it's like, here's here's where I see things going. Um, up to you. You know, kind of like, yeah. like I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to make you do something. Um, I'm going to give you a perspective. Here's my perspective. And, yeah. and the, the smart ones will go um, like the, the ones that are ready for, for movement will go, wow, is that really me? Like, thanks for holding up that mirror. That's, that's powerful. That's exactly. right. Right. That's what coaching is when we do it that. is. It's so true. It's given me, yeah, I like the, I like the, <clears throat> the hand you know, metaphor, because it's kind of like stewardship, you know, or, or like a mailman or UPS driver. It's like, this isn't my, really my package. I'm here to pass it on. (laughs) You know, like it's, if we had our mailmen who were taking our things, we would know automatically something is wrong. Yeah. And that's, that's a bit of what I don't like about the title of leadership coach, because so many people have this idea that they're going to be told what to do. instead of the asking yeah. For me to be able to come alongside somebody and say, or a company and say, this is actually your baby. Um, and I want to ask you what you want. <laughs> I'm, I'm not here to tell you what to do. Um, but when it comes to even like my interactions with leaders, to be able to treat them as if they're their own person and I'm my own person frees me to actually allow them to talk about what they want to talk about. And for me to take a risk, like I was just talking with a client the other day. And I just went with my gut and I said, you know, have you ever um, seen a feeling wheel before? He said, well, no, I haven't. I said, you know, great coaching is just about helping people examine things from different angles. And so this is just an angle I'm curious about as we're talking. So I, I put up a feeling wheel on the Zoom screen and I said, you know, what are you feeling right now in this particular situation? And he gave me an emotion and uh, we talked about it for a little bit. And he goes, wow, when we were talking, we were finishing up the conversation, he goes, that was so helpful for me to get in touch with that. I would have never thought about the feeling I'm carrying as driving all this. And I would have never done that, though, if I was more about me. I was just watching him and saying, this is you and I'm seeing something. So I'm going to show, show you this. It's like good feedback is like a mirror. It's not judgmental. It's like, can you imagine going to the mirror and it it's saying, you look so stupid again, Dr. P, your teeth are wrong. Your outfit is not working for you, but the mirror is not non-judgmental. So I think that that's why we keep going back and coaching is non-judgmental as well. Correct. Yeah, no, it's, that's, uh, that's really good. 
Um, there is a difference between coaching and consulting. Mm-hmm. I make it clear to my clients. I've had leadership experience. I've run companies. I've run organizations. Um, I've been in HR. You know, it's like I've got experience. What is it you need? You know, do you need me to tell you what to do? Do you need the guidance? Or do you need the development? You know, as a mm-hmm. as somebody that can right really help you as a good human become a better leader. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, that's where you are. Like one of the one of the things that uh, I like analogies, and I think it's really smart, by the way, just prior to the analogy thing, that you were that you have tools, right? As a coach, you have tools. Take a look at this at this uh, feelings wheel. A lot of people, when they're stuck in process, don't know that they have feelings. That's right. <laughs> that are actually affecting the their direction, their leadership. It's like, oh, you yeah. have to identify a feeling right now, right? Right. Um, <laughs> I love that. I love that. The uh, the analogy I use for coaching is like, you know, a fish can't say what water is like because there's no there's no um kind of perspective of not water that we as coaches come by sort of as eagles and we go oh i see a fish in the water i have (laughs) i have have an understanding of water i have an understanding of fish and i have an understanding of not water Mm -hmm. let me show you take you out of the environment and show you like what it's like when you're not in that environment so yeah. that you can see it from my perspective too. Right. And that's what coaching is, is to provide a perspective that's not available to the person that's living through it day by day, mm. by day by day, another day. And I have to deal with this team and this process and this vendor. And it's like, well, you like, that's your company. You do have to do that. Do you have to do it the way you're doing it? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That's the question. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a big reason why I wrote what I did recently is it's really stories of people getting out of their environment, getting out of their perspective. And it's like, even at this moment, you know, our listeners, your office, my office, we have things around us, you know, and it dictates. I don't know. I've heard that, but it's, if you hear it, it's (laughs) so yeah, she sometimes will jump on the desk and and make a cameo appearance. Um, oh, I can't wait! I yeah, can't no. Wait. Other times she just pushes against my leg and puts holes in my in my leg. <laughs> I'm here, and then I'll be talking, and I'll go. Ah. Like, that's why. So well, right that, now- that's so hilarious. That's the that's one of the reasons why I don't have a cat. Is you know they're nice most of the time, but every so often they are just wild and unpredictable. She's like it's just demanding. Well, I have a friend, I go to his house sometimes and he has this one cat who'll crouch in the corner and run up and just pop, 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 pop with his claws and run. And I'm like, that's why I don't have a cat. This is a wild animal trying to murder me. Yeah. When I come to the door. (laughs) There you go. But, but, you know, but it's, it's just all to illustrate the point of perspective. You know, it's like what we're surrounded by dictates what we think about. And so to get people out of those environments, to be able to say, I'm, I need a reset here right now, gives such, such important clarity. It's like, I, I like um, the, was, yeah, the naturalist, John Muir. Yeah. You know, how he went out in the mountains 
I think it was his wife, even you may know this. I can't, I'm not sure if I'm right, but at some point later in their marriage, she noticed that he was getting sick. And she said, you know, you are, you belong out there in the wilderness Um, and being married is just tying you down. I'm going to release you from our vows. Wow. Um, A crazy story. That's a great story. She, she just knew he was wired better to be in a certain type of environment. And she saw this particular environment that though there's nothing wrong with it, it just wasn't the right environment for him. And so she, she set him free. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Some good quotes throughout. I, uh, uh, you know, I've got the book in front of me on my screen and it's, it's, it's great. You're, you know, you talk about, uh, how much people work and what would happen if they applied just a little bit more of their time in a different way, Mm -hmm. Um, how productivity happens. And, you know, the, the whole idea of perspective again is, if you spend all your time forcing yourself to work, you're not actually helping yourself to be productive. You know, and I think part mm-hmm. of the message is you do need to break. And I love that message. You need to break away in order to gain a different perspective, to revitalize, rejuvenate yourself mm-hmm. and come back to the work anew, come back yeah. as a different person. So. Yeah, to me, it's about broadening our definition of what work is. Um, You know, I've thought about this a lot, and I think that we got our concept of work from from, uh, Henry Ford in this country. I think it was him that developed the 40-hour work week. I think it was originally more than that. He saw it wasn't working too well, so he dialed it back to 40 hours. But that was meant for the manufacturing line. And um, so many leaders aren't working in a manufacturing line, though there are some leaders who oversee people who work in a manufacturing environment. So, you know, we have to say, well, you know, for those of us, you know, who are the, the you know, knowledge workers of the future, you know, which is now, how do we broaden our perspective of what it means to work? And for us, as anybody who's leading something or leading a team, leading organization, I would even say leading a family is we have to get times uh, to slow down, to rest and digest, get clear, clear on where we're going, as opposed to just like tackling the to-do list nonstop. And so in in the book, I talk about expanding your definition of work. Mm -hmm. You know, what if it meant that you could go out and take a walk and it actually would help you. But what I've been thinking about recently is not just for the sake of productivity, it is this idea that we're actually designed, we're wired to rest. <laughs> you know, it's like we live in this world that says you can be more productive, more impact. And I think that's true. But what I've been thinking about the last few months is it's actually more in line with how we're made to exist. Why do you think we go to sleep at night? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, a third of our lives is meant to kind of be restorative. Mm -hmm. eight hours of sleep is is for restoration and there was a time that the culture was well i'll sleep when i'm dead you know and it's like yeah not sleeping will get you there faster so it will um (laughs) the whole idea of breaks you know i have a i had an exec who uh who had rabbit watching and rabbit watching what he did was he would 
he would have 20 minutes on his calendar and he'd turn away from his desk and look out over the field that his he was on a higher floor okay. and the, the, there was just a field out beyond where he was where their offices were and he'd just turn around for 20 minutes and just sort of stare out the window mm-hmm. and he watched the rabbits and the mm-hmm. rabbits jump around in the field and he'd just see what he could see and you know he would have done better getting outside truly yeah uh, and for him, rather than leave the office or leave, you know, what, you know, going outside, going downstairs, getting outside, for him it was like, let me just close my door for twenty minutes and um, mm-hmm. just kind of like stare off in the distance. And it's sort of a, it was sort of allowing his brain to reset. Mm-hmm. You know how, you know how productive we are in the shower. It's like all these <laughs> thoughts and everything comes racing through. It's that. Like, give yourself that. Uh, yes during the day and that's you know so when you're talking about a retreat it's not always it's not always oh i'm going to get away for three four days it's <laughs> sometimes the retreat is you know take three minutes for yourself to just mm-hmm. close your eyes yeah totally yeah i did this with a friend of mine recently really good friend of mine's actually a neighbor done a little work with his company and um he was super stressed about something. And I said, Hey, is it okay if we just slow down, take about three minutes in the quiet? He's like, okay, let's do it. So we, we got done and I said, how was it? He said, my legs, it was like, my legs were shouting at me. We have to get up and do something. Wow. (laughs) Right. Wow. (laughs) So that's the world that we're in. And what I found is that my own helpfulness in this world and marketability in this world, in this kind of work is my own peace and calm and emotional health. And so for me, what that means is that I don't work like most people work, you know, like I talked to a company the other day and they said, Hey, you know, I'm sure you're busy with all these clients. And I said, well, I am busy, but not with all these clients. They're like, what do you mean? I said, well, for many more is better. I'm not one of those guys said, I would rather work with two to three companies and do really good deep work and then be a healthy, peaceful, focused person for my family and for the rest of the people around me and for myself. And so, you know, back to, to Brene Brown, you know, with her daughter, um, we're, we're starting a, a gap year with our daughter uh, before college. And I'm really proud of her that she was free to say, I'm not hundred percent sure what I want to do, but because I've chosen to work this way, it means I have time to get my daughter places to learn things, to ask her questions. Because, you know, back to some of the things I wrote about, there's these disciplines in there. Go away alone, go away with the guide, go away with your team, go away with your family. The one thing I can't help facilitate for my clients is to go away with your family. But what I can do is I can tell you stories about how I go away with my family so people can see how it's done. And it's not about epic vacations. It's about healthy relationships because our organizations are made up of family members <laughs> and of families. And so, you know, I try to work in such a way to where my pace is different um, so that I'm able to multiply. Um, how can I say um, I'm able to, to create people who are okay to go counter to the crazy culture? 
Yes. It's too fast right now and it's not healthy. There's a study I think I found, I put it in there in the book that University of Irvine did about interruptions. And they found it causes people to work faster. Yay. Oh, but it causes them to make more mistakes. So it's like, you know, zapping a rat will cause it to move faster, but it will also cause the rat to run into a wall. Oh, are we are we surprised <laughs> that people are having mental, emotional, marital breakdowns? They're, they're just moving too fast. Yeah, we're tugged on all the time. And, you know, our phones go off and we have multiple sounds for multiple things. And, you know, it's the timers, it's the reminders, it's the it's the messages, it's the, you know, different channels. And it's, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like how much distraction are you letting into your life? It's funny. Yeah. I, I have actually those four things on my screen as you were talking, go away alone, go. I'm repeating it for the for mm-hmm. our audience to really get it. Go away alone. Just give yourself a break. Go away with a guide. Give someone the opportunity to teach you something. Go mm-hmm. away with a team, you know, your team. Get them to get to know you differently, a little bit more vulnerability, a little more authenticity. Uh, Go away with your family. It's so important. I would add one, which is go away as a couple um, Mm. so that so that you are in partnership and unified. And I would just I would I would add that as a four a like a subsection of go away with your family. Totally agree. One of the things that I do mandate of my clients is I, I will demand that they pull out their calendar and every three months put a three-day weekend on the calendar that reflects um, uh, that they are going away with their partner, their spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. like, you must. If, if it's not on the calendar, it's not going to happen. So you need to put that down. And um, every three months, you know that at the time of this recording, uh, recording, we're well into the year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how did that happen? It happened because the calendar page changes, whether we're ready <laughs> for it or not. And, right. And it's like, you know how fast three months comes up and it gives you something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And it's on the calendar. So I, I highly recommend that kind of retreat. So, yeah. Um, really good. We're in the last couple of minutes here. And let me just ask you, like your, your, the book, you know, it's, it's executive, um, you know, executive retreats for busy business leaders. I think it relates to pretty much a hundred percent of our population. Like anybody could use this. Um, you don't have to be a busy business leader to get something out of this book. So I'm going to say the title again, Executive Retreats for Busy Business Leaders by David Achata. Please look this up. It's available. (laughs) Find it, read it. It's readable. Um, I was given an advanced copy and I I just, there was so much parallel in thought that I really, I'm happily endorsing it. So, um, you know, get it, give it a look. What would you want to say? What didn't I ask you? What kind of last minute comments would you want to make? How can people mm-hmm. find you? All that stuff. <laughs> oh, man, so much. I want to keep on going with so fun being with you. Um, I think maybe a couple clarifications is 
I'm actually a really high energy outgoing extrovert. And all this conversation about quiet and going away and de-escalating the pace <laughs> has been really just my own personal discipline to regain some steadiness in the world after just pushing myself too hard. And I've written some other things about that that are out there. And it's really my passion, you know, the 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 purpose of my business and my organization is to make space for leaders to find vision. And um and the way that I do that, getting people away in a retreat setting, like what I'm talking about, but also do work with teams, do work with organizations. And um, I, I uh, have been really trying to pay attention to in recent years about what I have energy for. And I really have energy to do deeper time with people and go have fun, go for hikes, go mountain biking, whatever it is that they want to do. And so I find you know, we all have to to practice intention to create lives that we have energy for. And so what I'm describing to you is a life that I have energy for. And um, I, I have this idea that I want to journey with 10 leaders for 10 years. And I already have a few of those. But it's the idea of deep time and long-term relationships. That's really what I'm interested in. And where people can find me is my website, which is Achata Coaching, A-C-H-A-T-A Coaching.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn under David Achata and, uh, or on Instagram under David Achata. Are you following a theme here under on Facebook? It's David Achata. <laughs> I also have a business page on Facebook as well under Achata Coaching, but I'd be happy to connect with you, to journey with you. A couple of books I have out there, you can find them on Amazon or on my website. And this book is actually the second part in a little series. The first one um, is called Embrace What You Don't Know. And it's a stupid guide to smart business leadership and stupid guide is a noun. And that's me for the times I have pretended and done stupid things and how much I've learned from it. And so that book has my story. And this book is really written to the leaders of those organizations on how to be healthy and multiply health in your organization and your family and uh, in the world. So I'd love to journey with you and um, Dr. P, thank you so much for having me here. It's been just awesome. It's it's gone very very quickly, and I feel like we could just keep talking for hours here. So, um, really a pleasure. Um, I think one of the most powerful things you said was in summary, and it was basically this: create a life you have energy for, mm -hmm. and um, and really that comes down to well, what do I love? Right? What do I do? What do I have energy for? Like, how do I want to build that? So good. Yeah. Uh, our audience can find you, achatacoaching.com. And then, you know, you've got your books. They're on your website. You've got the books. If people go to where they buy books, Amazon probably. Yep, it's all there. All Barnes & Noble, Books and Millions, it's all there. Yeah, great. That's awesome. Thank you for joining me. This has been really good. I think it's... Uh, has sparked some good thought. It was definitely a great conversation. So, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you being here. You're so, welcome. I loved it. Thank you. Alrighty. My guest, as I clear my throat, my guest has been David Achata, uh, achatacoaching.com. I am Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, and this is One Sharp Sword Cutting Through to What Matters Most. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. And we will see you here next time. 
Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor.